The reading is taken from the book of Genesis, chapter 8, verses 14 to the end. Genesis, chapter 8, verses 14 to the end. And it's on page 10. By the 27th day of the month of the earth was completely dry. Then God said to Noah, <coughs> come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring out every kind of living creature that is seen with you, the birds, the animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground so they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number on it. So Noah came out together with his sons and his wife and his sons and his sons' wives. All the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds, everything that moves on land came out of the ark, one kind after another. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasure of the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I cause the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. This is the word of the Lord. Shall we say a prayer? Thank you very much, Johnson, for reading. Uh, no notice as well, so thank you very much indeed. Heavenly Father, as we go back to the beginning of the Bible, as we go back to a period of time that is a long time ago from our perspective, although not from the perspective of alternity. Lord, we go back and we want to be able to tune in to what happened then. We want to be able to learn from what happened then. And so we really pray for you to help us to um, just to really hear your word in a fresh way for us in our situation, in our circumstances. So be speaking, be helping us by your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, even though I prayed that, the uh, last fortnight and the weather conditions uh, for London and uh, around the world, actually, the floods, make it pretty much doubly appropriate that we're looking at uh, this account in Genesis because this is the flood sent by God on the ancient world in response to a rising tide of evil such that every person, every animal, was destroyed by this catastrophic event, apart from Noah and his family and all the animals that went into the ark with him. And here in Genesis chapter 8, we're sort of fast-forwarding from all of that to when they emerge from over a year in lockdown. They've been cooped up together, desperate to get on with life, but thankful too that they had been protected when others had perished. 
And so in Genesis chapter 8, as we get to the end of it, it's the story of new beginnings as they come out and seek to build a future after a global catastrophe. Three details stand out that we're going to look at in turn to learn from. The first is what Noah does. First of all, in verse 20, as he comes out of the ark, he builds an altar. He's coming back into the world. He gathers up stones and piles them up to build an altar, a place to focus on God, a place to pray, a place to give thanks, and a place in the ancient world to come and make sacrifice for for your sin. Verse 21 tells us how God responded. He noticed it. It made a difference in, his, in Noah's relationship with God. God spelt, smelt the pleasing aroma of the sacrifice and responded in the way that we'll come to in a minute. The relevance of those events so long ago? Well, after life had been so disrupted, Noah shows us what he prioritized when he made a new beginning. And I want to commend that to us as an example. Wonderfully for us, we know that when it comes to a sacrifice of sin, Jesus has paid that on the cross in full. We don't, as we come out of lockdown, need to make a fresh sacrifice for whatever sin was the thing that plagued us most during lockdown. Jesus' death covers it all. We just renew our, well, we just, we renew our confidence in his death. And that's where forgiveness flows from into our lives. So it's not this morning about go and make a sacrifice. It's rather what the New Testament talks about once we realize how much God loves us and how kind and merciful God has been towards us, it then calls us to live the whole of our lives as a living sacrifice. And so in that way, Noah is an example. He chose something specific, a specific action, a specific place that would express his priority as he came out into the world around him to keep God first. And so for you, for me, there there may be a particular place where you go to, to spend time with God. It may be just a corner of a room Uh, It may be a a place on a shelf or next to your bed where you keep a Bible. You maybe keep some notes to help you read and something that helps you to pray in response to God's goodness. It may be you've got a place like that at home or could make a place. Or it may be there's a place near where you work where you can go and be and pray and be with God. For others, life is much more on the move. So it's not so much a particular place that you're zoning out as a particular time, a particular spot in the weekly schedule. And you say, well, listen, that's when I'm going to focus on God. That's when I'm going to take time just to be with him as my God. I know people who, um, who read the, uh, the Bible on the bus because that's a way to make the most of that time. And to have that as a regular routine where they're focusing on God instead of whatever else is happening. How about the weekly routine? So that each time we've we've got, each week, sorry, we've got time zoned for God. It's It's a challenge, isn't it, in a busy world with lots going on. 
Uh, maybe it is uh, for mo- most of us, many of us, it's joining together at this point on a Sunday morning. For others, it's, it's tuning in at uh, a time that works that you can make, uh, but maybe trying to do that with uh, two or three others so that you can encourage each other and pray in response and actually have fellowship together as Christians trying to learn and grow together. So for those at home for whom nothing changed on Monday because you're still, um, you're still shielding, uh, you're still uh, being careful as the numbers are still high, you may well be thinking, well, okay, does this apply to me? Well, yes. It's a question of what will you, how, how are your priorities now as you're kind of used to lockdown is there, you're probably already doing this in some way, but then when sometime later in the year or next year, whenever it is, that life can return to normal for all of us, then at that point, how will you keep God as your number one priority? That's the question that Noah's example poses to us. It may like me, be like me that um, there's something that you do or used to do that um, uh, is... A bit like when you make up a, an altar of stones, oh, I've never done it, but if you do it, um, the weather and the circumstances, and it just kind of falls down over time. And you may have a routine or something that it's kind of there, or it's kind of, but it needs rebuilding. And for me, it's the daily discipline of reading the Bible and praying to God before I do anything else. That's the thing that I've said in my life that really helps me to keep my focus. But I find it constantly falls down. There's emails, there's, um, there's the phone, there's, there's um, uh, news. And all of those things are wanting my attention first thing in the day. And it's a constant battle just to say, before I get to those things, there's the rest of the day for those things. Let me have time with God at the start of the day. And for me, that's something that I've tried to do over many, many years. But I find I constantly need to keep rebuilding. What is it for you? What's the altar in your life, in your home, at your work? Is it a routine? Uh, Is it a place? A reminder of some kind that keeps you focused on God, keeps you listening to his word, keeps you trusting in his promises, keeps you receiving his mercy and being filled with his Holy Spirit. That was Noah's priority as he came out of the ark. And I commend it to us all to find what it is for us in our lives that will help us to have that same priority. And God's response to Noah's recommitment was to refresh his promises not just to Noah, but to the world. Uh, and uh, the word for that, the sort of technical word, is he made a covenant. And you find that in chapter 9. Uh, God did this. It's the second big thing to notice, by the way. Um, God made this covenant, this set of promises, knowing full well, if you look down to verse 21, that nothing about the human heart had changed. There have been this catastrophic judgment on human sin and wickedness. And yet, even though 
it says. God makes these promises even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. Nothing's changed about human beings, says God, and yet he's still going to make promises, binding promises, verse 22. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. And it's restated in chapter 9 and verses 9 to 11 with a specific promise that never again will God send a flood to destroy the earth. And the logic of Genesis, the logic of the Bible, is that because God said right at the beginning that when human beings sinned, the penalty would be death, anything short of that is mercy. You and me breathing today is mercy. When we die, it's just justice. And so we deserve not to live but to die. When those people were wiped out in that flood of old, it was what sin deserved. And even though it's what sin still deserves for you and for me, for all of the world, God acts in mercy day by day by day by day. He has covenanted to do so so that we don't reap the death that our sin deserves. We have a lifetime of mercy before the final day of our deaths and then judgment day and eternity. Even though the human heart hasn't changed a bit. God says, okay, for the rest of history, until the world's end, there won't be another catastrophe to end every life as there was in the flood. Now, I realize that's big ideas, and there may be questions that spin off from it. Uh, Please ask them. Please let's talk about those questions. But the focus of Genesis 8, Genesis 9, is on this covenant The fact that God makes these binding promises that in spite of our human hearts, in spite of our rebellion, our wickedness, our evil, the sin in the world, that he will continue to show goodness to us. It's it's a covenant, not a contract. A contract's when you've got sort of two parties, they kind of find common ground, and if one party doesn't do their bit, then the other party can say, well, I walk away. A bit like an employment contract. Yeah, um, you, you get a job and you say, well, I'll do so many hours and you'll pay me so much. If they stop paying you, you say, well, I'm, I'm going to stop doing the work. You're not paying me. Or if you stop working, then they say, well, I'm going to stop paying you because you're not working. It's a contract. It's, it's two-way. But a covenant is different. A covenant's where you say, I will do good to you no matter what. And the most uh, common covenant is the wonderful covenant of marriage where a husband and wife they say to one another that they will love each other for better for worse for rich for poorer in sickness and in health until death them do part each person promises that in covenant that whatever happens they will love each other And that is what God does with the human race. He covenants. And there's a a beautiful picture of it in that verse that I read from verse 22. The steady rhythms of the seasons. Um, 
Spring has well become summer, hasn't it? We felt it in the last week with the heat. As time goes on, it'll become autumn, winter, and then spring and summer again. The rhythms of the seasons are a reminder that God is a steady, constant, faithful God he has promised. Uh, it mentions seeds going into the ground and germinating as, as, as they flower and then they grow and then they bear fruit and then they die away and then they go into the ground and then it happens again. Animal life, birds, uh, they, have, they have young, they grow, they die and the next generation comes. And despite all the change that goes on in the world, the change in our lives, that steady rhythm of the seasons reminds us that there is a God behind it all, a God who is faithful in all the twists and turns of life. The reason that's so important is, well, because on our side of the covenant, we're patchy in our faithfulness. And what happens next in uh, in uh, Genesis chapter 9 uh, illustrates that perfectly Noah who in chap- chapter 8 has been this example of devotion to God as soon as he's out the ark he plants a vineyard and the harvest comes and then the second half of chapter 9 tells us that after the grape harvest the wine's fermented and Noah has a blowout and gets blindingly drunk and wrecks his relationship with one of his sons with long-term consequences for him, for the family, for all of their descendants. And that's how some people will be with the easing of restrictions, isn't it? Indulging whatever appetites they felt weren't properly indulged during the lockdowns. Although having said that, in the age of the internet and home delivery, Quite a lot of our appetites could be indulged in the lockdown too, couldn't they? But this is the point. God promises Noah, God promises you and me, in a covenant way, not a contract way, that he will be faithful to us even when we are unfaithful to him. That is his covenant. That is who God is, and it's extraordinary. A sign of it, that's the final thing here, the third thing to notice, is uh, chapter 9, verse 12, it's the rainbow. Just like the ring on a third finger of a married person's hand is a sign that they're married, it's a reminder to them and anyone else who sees it of the promises they've made. So too, the rainbow is a sign to God and to everyone who sees it of his promise never again to destroy the earth with a flood. So whether it is Oxford Gardens or Portobello Road or much worse in Germany and China, whatever global warming does next, we know that until the end of time we are in this season of God's favour of him not giving us what our sin deserves, not because he's gone soft on sin, but because he wants to give all the world the chance to repent, to come back. Over and over again, he gives us that chance. If only we will respond. And so at several stages, this covenant-making God in the Old Testament restates his covenant to Abraham and then through Moses to Israel. 
leading all the way to Jesus Christ and the New Covenant, or New Testament is another way to describe that. The sign of the covenant for Noah was a rainbow. The sign of the covenant through Moses to Israel was circumcision. We're so thankful to be in the new covenant, we blokes. The sign of the new covenant through Jesus, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is described as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance of all that Jesus has won for us. The personal presence of God in your life, in my life, when we trust in Jesus. And also, not just guaranteeing it in the future, but working in us now, so that even though our hearts will be like a, like a, a bowling ball that always goes away from true, it always goes away towards evil, there'll be constant temptations in your life and in mine, But there's also the work of the Holy Spirit leading us back to God, lifting us, urging us to keep in step with him and do what's right. That's the sign of God's new covenant, the Holy Spirit. The symbol of it, I guess, is the cross. It's where we see the reality of God's love and faithfulness. Whenever we're in our mind's eye, We go to that place where Jesus died and his hands are pierced for us and his body broken for us and we see afresh God's love for you and for me and for the world even when the world turns against him and we see his faithfulness and we taste it when we break bread and when we drink wine in communion as we're going to do for the first time in ages next week so that we can focus on the love and faithfulness and goodness of our God and receive spiritual refreshment and nourishment from him through the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Above all, the story of Noah is a story of God's faithfulness, not just to an individual but to the world, The covenant-making, covenant-keeping God. But it's also an example of responding rightly to that loving God by offering the whole of ourselves as a living sacrifice and taking whatever practical steps will help us to live for God in our lives, whatever stage we're going through, in lockdown, out of lockdown, whatever season of life we're going through that we'll keep working at rebuilding those things in our lives that will express the priority of God being first and help us to keep our focus on him to keep trusting in Jesus and receiving God's grace and being filled with his Holy Spirit in our lives it's just a moment of uh, of quiet I've thrown out lots of different ideas there What's the one to focus on for you as we, as we meet today? If I can ask the musicians to come forward again. Let me just uh, pray. Faithful God, we do pray that... Uh, we would 
be men and women, boys and girls, who trust in you and, Lord, that you keep revealing your faithfulness to. Please keep showing us. We forget. We get distracted. We do curve away towards what's wrong. And so we pray that you keep showing us your faithfulness, reminding us, helping us by your Holy Spirit to understand these things. And then help us to be living sacrifices in our lives, to respond to that faithfulness and follow after you. Amen.